to the September episode of the Bellingham Bitch Fest show. As a lot of you already are aware, the 2022 Veg Fest is approaching. And since I'm substituting as host here for a bit, I talked Selena in her very, very busy world to stop by and we're going to talk about Veg Fest and the, the day of and what's going to happen and what you can expect and that sort of thing. So, Selena, uh, let's just start off with the date and the location and then we'll go from there. Yeah. Well, thank you, Jeannie, for suggesting this. I think it's a great idea and I appreciate you being flexible with the time. So our second annual Bellingham Veg Fest will take place on Sunday, September 18th from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. at the beautiful Barkley Village. Tell me a little bit about what's going to go on. Like, oh, wow. Okay. So give me a sample of some of the vendors and like, yeah, what's yeah, the yeah. schedule so going to be like, because I know you have some really cool things planned. We do. Yeah. So we have close to 50 vendors. It's a great mix of food, products, houseware items, personal care items, packaged food. And then we, because nonprofits are always near and dear to our hearts, we have a great selection of local nonprofits. We also have some fun things that we're doing um, that VegFest is sponsoring. So for instance, we're going to have a kid's corner where we'll have scheduled story time, a magician, sing-alongs, so some fun stuff there. We will also have a free food sampling where people can come up and try different vegan food. We really wanted to add this because, you know, to be honest, events can sometimes feel like all you do is have to, you know, spend money. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of, you know, and that, and that's part of it. There, there are events, there are markets, there are small businesses there, you know, selling goods to feed their families. Um, but there's also, we also wanted to have something for people that may be not in that position where they could, you know, spend a lot of money or any money. So we, uh, we are offering a free vegan food sampling. We'll have some fun things like yogurt with granola. We're going to make a French onion dip out of a plain yogurt and serve that with chips. We're also going to sample some cheese slices, cream cheese, and some other fun things. I'm going to keep some of it as a secret. Mm-hmm. You should. <laughs> um, and then an effort for a mutual aid, we're going to have a plant-based pantry, and that's going to be stocked with plant-based pantry items, such as you know beans, rice, oats. And that will be there for anybody who needs it. No questions asked. Um, you can come up and take what you need. Um, and also, if you are in a position where you can give, you can stop by drop them off and we'll exchange those uh, canned goods or, you know, non-perishable items for a raffle ticket. And that raffle ticket, we're doing an hourly raffle. So every hour we're going to give away a basket. So you can donate goods to get a a raffle ticket, or you can buy raffle tickets at the Bellingham Veg Fest info table. So yeah, lots of fun stuff, Jeannie. (laughs) Yep. Sounds fantastic. Sounds like we're going to have a whole lot of fun. And Let's hope the weather's going to be halfway nice. Yeah, but. I think so. I mean, it's only two weeks away. The weather's still looking pretty good. You know, the first year in 2019, it rained for the first three hours. But you know what? 
people were still smiling and, you know, it, it's such, it's just such an amazing day. What, I mean, when do you get to celebrate all things vegan in one place at one time? <laughs> so if the rain comes, bring it. We're, we're going to, we're okay. I was there and I remember the line at New Mexico tamale until they ran out of food. Uh, it was yeah. and it was dumping rain and people didn't care. They were not leaving the line. <laughs> That's so funny. You mentioned that because that is the one line that I thought of. I remember walking by and chatting with people in line because it was a very long line. And I was thinking, oh, I better just, you know, go schmooze a little bit. <laughs> and I didn't need to because they were so happy. They were happy to wait. Uh, it was, yeah, that was, that was a magical day. And we hope to cre- recreate some of that magic that happened. Oh, I think so too. And the Barclay Village uh, area is just so beautiful and lots of parking. So it'll be easy to find a place to park and you won't have to you know, walk a long distance to get there. Because no, and that's downtown yeah, they- can be tough. It can be tough. And I want to shout out to Barkley Village because they reached out to us and offered this space um, to share their space with us. Um, They are passionate about what we do. And they, you know, this event is bigger than most of all of the events that they have there. And so they, but they've been so awesome and just like, you know, letting us, letting us... (laughs) expand where we need to expand and 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 um it's work it's going to be it's going to be great and like you mentioned there's tons of free parking there's beautiful grass so people could you know bring your blankets bring you know bring your camping chairs if you want you know come spend the day with us it's 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 a beautiful family place and it's free did we mention that this is free so you know you can come and just it's free yeah <laughs> and um, part of the day we'll we'll have a dj to provide some music and we have a a local artist who's going to do a couple of short performances yes right. and so yes. you have a little you have a little audio entertainment while you're there too yeah shout out to dj broccoli and i'm not that's his name like <laughs> <laughs> we didn't ask him to change his name. That's his name. And so, yeah, he is working on the playlist. Um, he's been working hard on the p- playlist. He'll be there. I know, Jeannie, you're going to step in a little bit and help with um, when needed, you know, help help there. And we have um, Mud Bottom Maddie that's going to do a couple of short sets. Um, yeah, it's going to be fun. It'll be really fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I really appreciate you taking your time out of your whirlwind of getting ready for this. I've done events. I know how hard it is to get ready for a big event. In this show, we're also going to share a number of short interviews with some of the folks that are going to be at the at VegFest, uh, sharing their wares or their time. One of them I can think of specifically is going to be reading her book in the children's area. And so um, stay tuned for all of those cool little interviews. Some of these people, you know, some of them you don't. And yeah, that's, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry about that. Um, Yes. I wanted to thank you for inviting um, our vendors to chat with you to, you know, help further promote their businesses. That was very, very generous and kind of you. 
Um, it's exciting because we have a lot of vendors that are repeats that, you know, were with us the first year. And then we have quite a few that are brand new to us, even some that opened their businesses during the pandemic. And so it's really exciting to get to be part of their, you know, their journey. And we can't wait to support them. And they're working really hard to have enough food. <laughs> I know the first year, you know, we didn't know what to expect. You never know what to expect with these free events. I mean, it's it's tough. You know, we didn't know what to expect. And, it, you know, most of the food vendors sold out before the event was over the first year. And, you know, we can't promise that every food vendor will have enough food for the duration of the event. But I can tell you that that is their goal. And they, um, they're all working really hard to make that happen. Well, so. and, the, and the problem is because of restrictions at the state level, and this is what I think people forget, is that if you're working, um, you prepare your food based on what you think you're going to sell in a commissary kitchen. And then that goes into your food truck or whatever. And they've freed it up a little since the pandemic, but not much. So you have to think that, you know, you have a food truck the amount of food that you have is what you made in your commissary kitchen. So if you have an unprecedented call on your resources, you're going to run out and you don't really have any way to just like run back to the commissary kitchen and make another batch. No, exactly. That's right. Everything has to be made in a kitchen, you know, in a commissary kitchen and they're going to do their best. And the other thing that we need to also remember is that they're dealing with supply issues, there's shortages, there's price increases across, I mean, across the board, you know, these small business are paying triple, quadruple what they paid three, four years ago for supplies. But I'm telling you, they are amazing and they're doing everything that they can. And this is, this is the other thing that we have to remember. This is just one event in their whole year. Mm-hmm. They're just, I, my hat's off to them. I'm so appreciative that they're sharing their day with us and that they believe in us and they believe in this event. So I'm, I'm thrilled. I hope it's going to be their best day yet. (laughs) I think that would be awesome, especially going into the fall as the market season is winding down the festival season. Yeah. I think it would be great to give them all a a really nice push here at the end of the season. Yes, absolutely. And I also like to shout out our, our volunteers. We have close to 70, 70 beautiful humans that have, decided to spend their day with us to help make this event happen. We have a lot going on. You know, there's, Mm -hmm. we're going to have a towards zero waste area. That's right. It's a zero waste event. So please bring your reusables, napkins, plates, and all of that. Reusable water water bottles. Um, We have a, we need, you know, first aid, traffic control, vendor support, there's so many kids, the kids area, the, you know, the sampling, all these areas, it takes a lot of people. It takes a lot of humans. So I just want to shout out to our incredible volunteers for making this day happen. Yeah. I don't think people realize how much goes on behind the scenes. You know, it's not like it just magically runs itself. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that VegFest is unique because we have a lot of sponsor. We, We do a lot of uh, our own booths, like the kids' booth, the sampling, the pantry, the, those those take people, <laughs> you know, to do and so and money. <laughs> There's that too. <laughs> so thank you to all of our donors. <laughs> you know, we're pretty scrappy. We don't have big sponsors or anything like that. Um, it really is individuals that donate their hard-earned money to make this event happen, and also to the 
um, local, not all local, but some the um, businesses that have donated food to the food sampling, and we shout those out on our website and on social media. So, is there anything else you want to add? <laughs> oh goodness, I no, I don't think so. I think that's it. I think you know, just tell your friends, bring your friends. Oh, oh my gosh, Jenny, forgot almost something. The like the most important thing. This is a vegan event. Everything is vegan, but you do not have to be vegan to enjoy this event. This vegan, this event is for everyone. I don't care. We don't care if you're vegan, vegetarian, veg curious. In fact, we want you to be there. We want you to be there. Please come um, ask questions. We're going to have a vegan in- info and support table set up with volunteers there that will have all kinds of information. We can answer your questions to the best that we can about nutrition about environmental impact, environmental racism, food, you know, food access, you know, all these things. And so we want you there. It doesn't matter if you're vegan or not. You're, you are welcome. Our arms, arms are wide open for you. Yes. And I think that's really important in this day and age where people are, a lot of people are veg curious. Yes. So for them to know that they can come to this event and just relax and learn and have fun. And there will be lots of edible food. Trust me. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, I think I know I'll just wrap this up really quick, but that's why VegFest exists. You know, Tamara, Justin and I used to participate in street activism and we would, you know, outreach and we would talk to people about becoming vegan. What were those obstacles? And time and time again, they want, they wanted to do it or they wanted to be closer to it, but they didn't know how to, they didn't know if they were going to be the only one. They didn't know if they were going to be supported. They didn't know where to eat. That's why VegFest exists. It gives them a place that, you know, that we can not, and, and, and not only the event, but our organization is there for them, for them to show them, Hey, you know what? It's not that weird. It's pretty cool. We can have a lot of fun. We can eat anything we want, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And so beyond the Veg Fest event, we have things lined up like cooking demos, meetups, and things like that to support people all year long. Mm. So, yeah, that's all I've got. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. And so we'll, um, we'll move on through this and into the mini interviews with a bunch of people that are coming to Veg Fest. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Jeannie. I can't wait. Welcome, Margaret. I'm here to chat with you about Nurture Well Center. You're going to be one of the folks at Bellingham Veg Fest on September 18th. And I just thought we could sit down and talk about what you do and why you're coming to Veg Fest. So tell me a little bit about your business and then we'll go over into what VegFest has to offer. Yeah, thank you for having me first off. So I am a double board certified physician. I'm a family physician and lifestyle medicine physician. And I also am the founder and owner of Nurture Well Center located in Shoreline. And, you know, I opened March 2021. And my whole business model is centered around keeping folks who want to stay well well and helping those who are sick as a doctor. That's something that comes very secondhand. But the wellness part is something that is not as easy. In our current medical system, it's really hard to have enough time with your doctor, the way the system is set up to do a lot of the preventative care that I do, right? So as a lifestyle medicine doctor, there are six main pillars 
plant-based nutrition, physical activity, stress management, helping patients get restorative sleep, positive social connections, and lastly, reducing risky substances, so alcohol, tobacco, right? Doing all those six things to hopefully help prevent disease, reverse disease, and treat disease. That's the, the main premise. So Nurture Well Center stands on those principles as well. So of course, I do run the mill physicals and things like that, but the health coaching, wellness coaching centered around the six pillars is a large part of my model. So yeah. And then um, tell me a little bit about, I, I understand that that sounds like it would be fairly personally intensive. Uh, so can you tell me a little bit about the, you said you can do some things via literally telemedicine and yes. some things need to take place in the office. Right. So a lot of my members, you know, I give them the option of seeing me virtually or in person. I ask that once a year, once a year they at least come in for a physical, but I have a few non-member services. So I have a weight loss management program um, currently centered around perimenopausal and menopausal women. As they come in initially for an intake to make sure their vitals are good before starting um, medication. Um, and uh, for now, that's the main virtual service. I would say going forward, I am going to plan to do more lifestyle medicine coaching to folks who aren't members. I just know there's a huge need and people who want to work with me may not be necessarily hyper local to shoreline. For example, um, I'm also licensed in California. So I know there's a need in California and out here to serve people who aren't just really local to me. So stay tuned for that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's important that people know that when they come to chat with you at um, VegFest and get to know you that they might not have to, maybe they got to come to Shoreline once, you know, to meet up with you and do a consultation and get their vitals and all that. And then maybe they can do most of their work via virtual. Absolutely. I have a patient in Spokane. So she comes in once a year. She times it such that, you know, when she's visiting friends in the Seattle area, she sees me and then we do everything else virtually. So, you know, I'm in Shoreline, like I said, I got Spokane, or out as Puyallup, um, I'm trying to think, East Side Redmond, but the furthest Spokane that person takes. <laughs> takes well, you know, maybe you'll get a few folks up here and then you'll have a reason to come up here once in a while. I would love it. You know, I'm trying to pick out Bellingham more. Um, honestly, there's a, a growing veg um, kind of restaurant scene that I really want to explore and I'm looking forward to exploring when I head out to Veg Fest. We have one of the most outstanding, I think, I'm I'm biased, but I think we have one of the most outstanding communities for for vegan offerings at the restaurants. Yeah. Know, we have several dedicated, but then we've also got a lot of restaurants who have a lot of vegan stuff on the menu so that you don't lack for a place to go to eat if you're vegan. Yeah, I'm excited to try out. And that's really exceptional. <laughs> we just had New Mexico tamale tonight and that, she has outstanding vegan stuff on her menu. Yes. So um, let's talk a little bit about your book. Yes, yes. So Iomi Day and Shay's Kitchen, A Kid's Guide to Plant-Based Nutrition from A to Z. So I'll be honest, the, the, the main reason I wanted to write this book, I've seen hundreds of patients over the years who tell me the common thing, doctor, I want to eat healthy. I don't know how. Doctor, I want it incorporate more plant-based foods, you know, not necessarily want to go vegan. Some do, some don't necessarily want to do that, but they don't know where to start. And then I would also hear the thing that made the light bulb go off. I, as a child, patients only as, as a child, they were not introduced to healthy foods. So they kind of carried on to adulthood. So I thought, hmm, as a family doctor, I see kids and adults. If I can write a kid's book that of course had the colors and, the, you know, the kind of things that draw kids in, but also had some language in the book that would kind of help the, the reader, the adult reader ears perk. The kids are learning, the parents are learning too. 
right? So it's not just a very basic A to Z book, right? So I start off, of course, A is for apples because I have to do that so cliche. But then I start going further through the alphabet. C is for calcium. D is for vitamin D. E is for energy. You know, fast forward, O is for omega-3s. L is for leg muscles. And and I noticed that on, yeah, on each of those pages, you have very visual representations of those letter triggers. Yes, that was very intentional, right? So the draws on the kids and the hope is, mom, dad, you know, whoever, what what is an omega-3? Oh, the doctor talks about chia seeds in the book. Can we try some, right? So that's that's really the thing to kind of get kids excited. And then I talk about an ice cream, you know, and mm-hmm. the hope is I'm going to have a part two of the book where I actually have recipes. People have been asking for recipes. Mm-hmm. On Nurture Well Center, on, on, on the website, I have a recipes tab where I've been adding recipes for the past year and a half almost, but I'm ha- going to have an inspired recipe offering based off of the book. So my first one I wrote maybe about two weeks ago, l- um, Lentil Energy Bites, mm-hmm. recording off of this page. And I had a whole little thing on Instagram. So mm-hmm. the hope is, um, there'll be more more recipes that kids can get involved with. And the Lentil Energy Bites, for example, they're little balls. So my, mm-hmm. my son six, he helped me with those, forming the balls. And he loved them. I literally just got a message from a patient today that her two-year-old loved them. They tried the recipe. So I'm really trying to do things just to get the families in the kitchen together. Yeah. And I think that's the important thing is both having their children participate in the kitchen, but also getting the parents interested in that healthy food because they're concerned about their children. Right. They want their children to be healthy and they don't know how. So with this kind of help, it enables them to move from not being comfortable with those processes to having a little more knowledge and being a little more comfortable about that. Well said. I agree. Um, so you're on Instagram? Yes. So I'm on Instagram at Nurture Wall Center. Mm-hmm. And then my author page is author Margaret Toalawi. And then we didn't talk about this, but I also have a separate skin-focused business where I have my own skincare products. That's skin stat, S-T-A-T-M-D. So three different platforms. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yes. Well, I think that's wonderful. And thanks for giving us a little of your time. And I want to encourage people to come out and meet this lady. She looks and sounds amazing. <laughs> so just come and do it, people. You can do it. <laughs> I look forward to meeting everybody, too. So stop by the booth. I'll be in the kids' corner. Yay. All righty. Thank you for your time. sitting down with Shayana and she is going to tell us about her business and about her art. And so she's going to clue us all in as to why we want to run right down to BenchFest and visit with her. So Shayana, take it away. All right. Hi, everyone. It's Shayana. I'm Shayana. I started this business not too long ago. It used to be the Lemon Lady Artist, but now it's Shia's Byman Art. And my art is normally like this is very like weird, unique, colorful type of art. And I just started doing my vegan art again. And I've been vegan for about six years this year, I believe. And recently I've been doing more like bags instead of just prints. And I've also been doing stickers. So now I got like prints, stickers, and some like tote bags that you can now, you know, sport and do whatever you want with them and yeah that's okay tell me a little bit about your art art you know not just your your um like consumables you know like bags and stickers and stuff 
like where your passion lies? Yeah, I don't really know how to describe my art because it used to just be like lemon heads, but now it's like a lot of different types of things. Like one of them is like this weird like alien with like fingers as the body or like mm-hmm. I'll do like a lot of like toes or like fingers or something or so it's more abstract yeah it's more abstract you like to take things apart and put them back together in creative ways yeah see i don't even know how to describe how i do my (laughs) art and i like to do like all of my colors like every color and like or i try to do all of the colors in one piece because i don't know i just i love all the colors i love the rainbow that's fun um especially for young people bright colors are always you know valuable they love that and so it's unique it is unusual and it it might catch people's eyes just because it's different yeah how about your bags though are your bags the same sort of you know your vegan art is your vegan art different from your abstract art it is, yeah, it is. It's a lot different, I would say. Is it more representative of the vegan world? It's not as like crazy. It's more like like one like one of them that I have. I have like like a like a burger bun and then like the ingredients on it and then like as like the meat patty part, it's like a dead cow. <laughs> <laughs> you know that's I what have, i always tell people i don't eat dead cow you know <laughs> yeah and then i have like little nice ones where it just says vegan and there's like a heart around it or there's like flowers with it yeah so it's it's not as like wild a little more gentle and sort of middle of the road yeah <laughs> except for the cow one but <laughs> yeah but you know you have to you have to represent the message and yeah, yeah. you a chance to say, this is how I feel about that meat patty. Yeah. This is how I view it as. Right. So those are the kinds of things that I think people are becoming more and more interested in is really maple make people not ignore the fact that an animal went into their burger. Yeah, exactly. Because it's like, our kids have been raised even to just see the, especially kids that live in the city, they just see that piece and they don't associate that piece with the chicken or the duck or the pig or the cow that it came yeah. from. You know, when you take them, when around here, you take them to the fair and, and uh, most parents are pretty careful not to say, oh yeah, that's just like the guy that was on our plate last week. <laughs> yeah. You know, so to do something like that just sort of puts it right back there in front. Says, here's what we're doing. Yeah, except for I grew up, like, watching the videos when I was young. Like, what they did to the animals and everything. So I already knew. (laughs) Some of those documentaries are kind of frightening. Yeah, they are. Yeah. uh, They're very, yeah. If more people watched those documentaries and you're welcome to mention some of them that you really were like impressed by or that impressed your young person brain. Do you remember any that were like, um, I don't except for this. 
I forgot what it was called. The one, I think it was by Joaquin Phoenix that he did. My mom tried having me watch it, and I was like, I like the first 10 minutes, I was like, I can't watch it. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's too emotional for me. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, you know, I just, yeah. Some of them, I just, I can't watch them because I have too much empathy for those animals. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I can't see animals as an abstract food source. It's not in my makeup. <laughs> yeah, me too. So, so what kind of mediums do you work in? Like when you're doing your paintings, do you do acrylics or oils or, you know, what kinds of mediums? Yeah, I actually don't really paint. I used to paint when I was like in high school, but I would normally do like colored pencils or just pencil. And then like when COVID hit was when I started doing digital art. So I've really been into getting into digital art recently. Ah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's really a game changer. <laughs> yeah, I think that digital art is becoming a lot more accepted you know, as an art form, they're yeah. to really go, yeah, that's okay. I just happened to stumble on, thanks to my son, to art that is generated by artificial intelligence. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. That's some freaky stuff. Cool, but it, yeah, it is. <laughs> so, so you're more into digital now and creating your stickers, and, uh, the templates for your bags and stuff digitally. Yes. Yeah. What, what kind of program does that take? Some people use like Adobe, but I don't really want to pay for that. So I just use Procreate, which is like $10. Yeah, I I know a lot of creators. I do sublimation and vinyl, and a lot of people use Procreate that have Apples or Macs or iPhones to do their design work. Yeah, and it's a really easy app to use. Well, that's cool. Yeah. So people can have lots of fun things to come and look at. All righty. Well, we'll look forward to seeing you at the market. I'm here today with Melanie from Rooster Redemption, and they have recently relocated to Washington State. They're going to be at Bellingham Veg Fest. And I just wanted to talk with Melanie a little bit, learn about them and their rescue and all about the vegan life. Welcome, Melanie. Tell us about Rooster Redemption. <laughs> yeah. Well, th- first of all, thanks for having us. We're very excited to have landed in Washington like literally in the past three weeks, we've um, brought all of our stuff here, all of our animals, and uh, we're very excited to be here. Um, Rooster Redemption, we started in Minnesota in 2016. Um, so we're roughly about six years old right now. And we are a, an official um, nonprofit organization. And we decided we wanted to move because First of all, Washington's beautiful, and the the weather is much milder than Minnesota for both the birds and the humans. So we're very excited to to be in this milder climate here. Um, and so, you know, basically what we do with Rooster Redemption is right now we have 29 roosters, two turkey hens, and one 
10. And so we have 32 birds and we love them very much, mm-hmm. enough to move them across the country. <laughs> and where are you located? So we're actually um, a little bit closer to the North Cascade. We're about six miles east of Concrete, Washington. Oh, great. I know where that is. <laughs> so tell, tell me a little bit about the day-to-day life of having that many birds underfoot. What we do, so first of all, I do actually have a full-time job on top of this. And mm-hmm. so that's one reason we keep our capacity, um, you know, we limit our capacity of birds because we find it very important to individualize um, the care for them and to know their personalities and to not get it out of control where we're like, oh my gosh, we just have way too many birds. Um, it's manageable right now for my husband and I to to care for 32 birds. You know, this is really going to be our highest limit of how many. So the day-to-day is actually, it's obviously a little bit different right now since we just relocated and we're still setting up. But, you know, every morning we, we feed them, we, we let them out of their predator-proof sleeping coops, you know, get them ready for the day. And, and that doesn't take very long, honestly, with 32 birds. They are in separate enclosures because, as you know, roosters can fight and will fight. We have found that keeping them in separate enclosures gives them a sense of safety. Um, we understand they are flock animals, but for our particular sanctuary, we find that they just deserve to have a safe place where they can see each other and also talk to each other but they don't fight with each other. And so we do that in the morning and then we just check on them throughout the day and, you know, might give them some fruit or vegetable snacks during the day. And then in the evening we feed the two turkeys and the one Cornish cross that we have. Um, We feed them dinner because they're on a limited restricted diet and just make sure everybody's doing good and has water. And then in the evening when it gets dark and they're ready to go to bed, we put them back in their little um, sleeping coops. That's quite a commitment. <laughs> it is a commitment. <laughs> yes. what, what do you do if you need to be away for a day or so? We have to establish some sitters, hopefully, here in, in Washington. We had wonderful We had such a wonderful community back in Minnesota. It was very hard to leave them. Um, we have one sitter that we trust very much, we love very much, and we like when we need a vacation, we're probably going to fly her out here <laughs> to stay at her house, and she's excited to do that. So, um, yeah, we can't exactly leave for a day or so. Um, what we're going to plan on doing is, you know, having everybody all set up in their predator-proof runs so we can leave, you know, for the day and go do fun things, you know, by the ocean and, and do things um you know, for self-care. Self-care is so important. You got to get away. You got to get away from the sanctuary, refresh, do things. Um, so we're just planning on making sure that everyone's safe while we're gone. Um, yeah, that's that's the plan. So if people are interested in learning more about that, they could come and see you at VegFest. Absolutely. Yes. At Bellingham VegFest, we're so excited because we we really thrived on our Minnesota community. I mean, our veg fest out there, you know, has been going many years. We get like 10,000 people that come through in one day at veg fest every year. And we know that this is a much smaller veg fest, which we're excited about because it's it, more of a sense of a closer knit community, even though it was close out there in Minnesota. We are really excited to meet, you know, people like Selena and 
you know, people who, who run this VegFest and, and really just immerse into this community and find, you know, new volunteers and new people that would like to come, you know, maybe stay at our house for a couple nights so we can get away. And do you have a, a website or social media? Yeah, absolutely. Our website is just www.roosterredemption.org. And then our um, Facebook and Instagram are both um, Rooster Redemption. So Facebook is Rooster Redemption. And then Instagram is at Rooster Redemption, all one word. Nice. Nice. So there you go, folks. You can go and check them out and then go out to VegFest and actually get the... Well, I I appreciate you stopping by and chatting with me today. with Akimi Burns from Burns Bakery. Burns Vegan Bakery. Burns Vegan Bakery. And she's going to tell us about her, their business and like what they have and a little bit about herself. And then we'll talk about VegFest and all that stuff. Awesome. Well, yes, great to meet you today, Jeannie. My name is Akimi Burns with Burns Vegan Bakery. I started this business with my husband, Eric Burns. Uh, we founded our business based on his grandmother's family recipe, chocolate peanut butter fudge. So it's really made the old-fashioned way delicious, and it's been tried and true for generations. We put a healthy and ethical twist on it by making it vegan, substituting dairy products for vegan products, and the result is truly outstanding. We're so excited to bring it to VegFest, as well as our other uh, products, which are dessert tarts dessert breads, cookies, and confections. Where are you located? We're based in Seattle, Washington. Mm-hmm. So yeah. people want more, they're going to have to reach out. <laughs> I suppose so, yeah. But we uh, we were able to make our debut with the Bellingham community just about a month ago at the Bellingham Budfest Festival. Mm-hmm. And that was a great way to connect with folks who are going to be attending VegFest this year. That's wonderful. So tell me about VegFest. Since you guys are coming all the way from Seattle, Mm -hmm. um, you're bringing a a bunch of stuff with you, but it's not like you could just run back to the bakery and grab some more. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. We've been uh, fortunate enough to have a nice booth location with electricity, so we'll be plugged in with our freezer the whole time and have our full line of products stocked and ready for Bellingham to have at it. (laughs) How long have you guys been around? I think you said that, but... Yeah, we started at the farmer's markets actually this year, but we started our business back in 2019 selling our kettle cooked chocolate peanut butter fudge and um, things were going so well that we decided it was a great base and foundation for the business. Nice. So are you guys both doing this full time now? Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. Tell me about your vegan, like your vegan approach to life. Absolutely. Thank you for asking. So Eric and I have always been animal lovers and have been avid outdoors people. And we've loved um, realizing uh, in recent years that the best way to hold true to this moral compass that we've had our whole lives would be to live through the vegan lifestyle and cause as little harm as possible for the animals, the environment, for humanity. And so that's why Burns Vegan Bakery is vegan. And that's why we're here is to spread the vegan message through our delicious 
desserts, let folks know that it's possible to have these delicious, rich, uh, traditional creations such as fudge without the use of animal products, that they taste better, feel better, and are better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. And I think that some people might learn a little just talking to you about um, how you approach substituting those, taking a classic recipe and making it your own in a vegan way. Because I spend, oh, I don't know how much time I've spent experimenting and figuring out how to take recipes that I've made for, you know, 50 years and turn them into vegan recipes. That's a challenge. Right. We've um, we've totally had years of um, trial and error, I would say, especially um, fudge being one of the more simple recipes to substitute mm-hmm. out butter and uh, oat milk. But the main things are, you know, sometimes people think you have to add applesauce or, you know, pumpkin or, um, you know, mashed up banana or something to replace mm-hmm. an egg in baking. And we found that just the right amount of baking soda, baking powder and cornstarch can go a long way to deliver the same texture and not compromise any of the flavor. So we have so much we'd love to share with the community through our products and what we've learned along the way. Excellent. I think that, yeah, I think that people should come and talk to you, even come and check it out, but also come and talk to you about that, that how you make that transition and some clues into how they can go back and look at their own recipes and say, how can I do this better? Because a lot of the vegan stuff that you find online when I was first starting out with veganism, which wasn't that long ago, Selena, like, won me over. Um, <laughs> Best. <laughs> it, uh, it was a challenge because you'd try these recipes. And they'd be like, yeah, two tablespoons of flaxseed and some water and all this stuff. And it's just like, this is so confusing. Most of it turns out like a rock. And it just isn't all that tasty. I can understand why less persistent people get frustrated and just don't. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it comes down to those um, substitution products as well. We've had lots of trial and error. What's the best non-dairy milk? What's the best non-dairy butter? Uh, what we use is Miyoko's European coconut cashew butter and her oat butter. Those are great. Mm-hmm. Can't tell the difference except that you feel so much better. Things almost come out tasting better. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and planted oat, oat milk is what we go to for our non-dairy milk alternatives. Everything's been really great ever since finding those substitutions and um, being able to make the switch and kind of cross that bridge because you found the pieces that you need to build that bridge across. That yeah, sense. it's even harder. I'm gluten-free. So being a gluten-free vegan That's is right. a crazy <laughs> challenge. That is a crazy challenge. Oh, I but bet. I can have your fudge. Oh, yes. And then we also do a, a great gluten-free, sugar-free key lime cheesecake. Oh. Which, yes, we developed because my mom and her partner, both of them are so lovely, but they couldn't enjoy anything of ours mm-hmm. um, because they were gluten-free and sugar-free. And so, oh, wow. Right, and vegan. So through hearing all of the responses from our community, asking for personalizations like nut-free or, you know, accommodations to their allergies, we've been able to develop a great, great accommodating line of gluten-free, sugar-free, even nut-free vegan goodies. Yeah, I'm sure my husband will be over there. Okay. (laughs) He loves fudge and he loves cheesecake. So he'll be coming over and visiting. (laughs) Uh, Well, I really appreciate you taking the time out today. I'm sure you're busy as every small business person is. And and we'll see you at VegFest. Thank you so much. We're so excited. We can't Thank wait. Thank you. I can't either. 
folks. I'm here today with Zach from Alchemy Creamery. Some of you may have had his products and some of you may have not had the delicious chance to encounter his goodies. So we're going to talk about his business and a little bit about what they're going to be offering at VegFest. So Zach, take it away. Well, hello. Let's see. So I guess where I would start would be how I came about, which would be during, you know, during COVID. Um, I was home a lot with uh, my, my two sons and I'm also, I'm lactose intolerant. So I had stopped eating any kind of dairy and I missed doing like uh, movie nights and having milkshakes with my family or, you know, making banana splits together and stuff like that. I had started buying different dairy-free options that are at the grocery store. Some I liked, some I didn't. I'm, I'm a little bit of a picky, you know, I, I guess I, I've always been hesitant to call myself this or whatever, but I'm, you know, I'm a self-taught home chef. Um, my whole life, I've, you know, my whole adult life, I've had, I've had people telling me that I should open a restaurant or I should, you know, I should have a food truck or, or this and that and the other. Um, I did a little bit of catering, but I was always kind of resistant to it. I had worked in the restaurant industry as a younger person, and I know how much of a slave to your restaurant business you can become and how quickly that would sap something that I very much love and and very much enjoy doing, which is cooking preparing food that is something that I until I started this business really my only that my rule my, my general policy was I only cooked for people that I care about and so if I was making you dinner it's because I, I I cared about you but then because I was finding things that I didn't enjoy at the grocery store I started making my own I make everything from scratch I I grew up in Nebraska my grandmother had a canning kitchen you know, everyone had a garden, everyone can, everyone made almost everything from scratch, you know. And so that's the school I come from is I, I always, I say, I always do things the hard way. Anything I can make from scratch, I, I do. And so I just have applied that principle to, to my ice cream. And I started making ice cream that I liked a lot more than what was at the grocery store. And I started sharing that with people. People wanted to buy it. So then I started, you know, selling it on Instagram. This is all during COVID. Started getting lots of really good feedback and decided to, I, I've never had a business. I don't, I'm not a business person. And so I just started researching what all that meant, starting my own business and the steps that I need to take to do it. And a lot, it's a little bit of a challenge because I, I guess what I, I, I am what I guess is called neurodivergent now. And I, I now know that, but um, part of that is, is, is there are challenges just to simply organizing all this for me. And so I had to learn how to get over those hurdles, you know, get outside my comfort zone, dealing with the 
health department or the state or learning how to do my own taxes. Um, so I just took the leap to start the business and I've gotten nothing but just incredible support from everyone in Bellingham, everyone in the vegan community. Um, and it is, it's just, um, really kind of all in a nutshell. It really is my creative outlet. I don't, I, I'm everything that I make is what I want to make that day. I'm not beholden to any menu or anything like that. I make what I have the freshest ingredients that I have access to at that time. So for instance, you know, I don't make a lot of strawberry ice cream in the winter because there are no fresh strawberries. So everything that I do is with that in mind. Um, I feel like I might be kind of straying a little bit here, but yeah, everything I do is from scratch. I've never had anyone complain about my prices, but anyone who has, has asked me about my prices or anything like that, I explain everything I do is from scratch. If my recipe calls for sweetened condensed milk, I make vegan sweetened condensed milk from scratch. The, uh, my, if it asks for powdered sugar, I make vegan powdered sugar from scratch, and then I make my recipe. So everything's from scratch. Everything's fresh as possible. Everything's local as possible. I don't use a lot of exotic flavors that some people might like or would be excited about because of the carbon footprint. Everything I do, I do with my carbon footprint in mind and the sustainability of it in mind. All my, all my packaging is compostable and always will be. I have, that is very important to me. And I will always make less money to mm -hmm. care about the earth that I'm leaving for my children than, mm -hmm. than not. You know, I'm, I'm always happy to make less money to pay for more packaging. That's something I hear an excuse made a lot that it's too expensive. And mm -hmm. I think it's, it's too expensive to, to not do it. It's short-sighted to say that the expensive thing is to pay for sustainable packaging when the expensive thing is paying our, our, our children, our grandchildren, paying for our poor choices. Yeah, so that is pretty much me in a nutshell. I make wonky flavors because I'm a wonky person, I guess. And like today, I'm making a core, uh, ice cream that I'm calling Nebraska because I'm from Nebraska and Nebraska's corn. And my mom actually uh, just went and visited some family members and she brought me back corn from Nebraska. And so I'm making a caramel corn ice cream today. What kind of flavors can people, and uh, I'm assuming, of course, you can have ice cream there. Yep. What kind of flavors have you got that planned out yet? Or are you? Yeah, yeah, I do. I do have a pretty good idea. There'll be a couple of things that might pop up, but I actually have to get all that worked out. And, you know, I have to get that approved by the um, health department um, mm. before the event. And so I did have to already kind of decide what my menu is. And I can, you know, share with you that I will have half pints like I always do. Um, I'll have a limited amount of push pops 
because I, I bought, that's the only thing that I've ever used that is plastic. And I, I caved because it was the summer. Everyone thought it was a great idea. So I got, I bought one case. I am in the process of working with a company to get them to make me push pop containers out of plant cellulose. Mm-hmm. But until then, I won't be buying any more um, push pops to make push pops. So I'll, I'll have about um, 50 push pops. I'll have half pints, push pops, ice cream mochi. I'll have ice cream cookie sandwiches. Mm. I will have, let's see. Oh, and then I'll have some baked goods. Like I will have, I do um, a lot of different baked goods, cookies and pastries and pumpkin rolls, entremet cakes. I, I, do, I make all kinds of things. I do, um, I'm, I'm now started doing uh, birthday cakes because it's really hard, even here in Bellingham, to find a bakery that is even receptive to making you a vegan cake. Most places I go into and I say, do you have anything vegan or anything there? And it's like, they, they generally scoff at the idea, you know? Mm-hmm. So I have started making uh, vegan birthday cakes nice. um, for our vegan community so that they, people can have, you know what I mean? Everyone deserves to have a special birthday cake. So absolutely, um, I'm on a vegan birthday cake mission right now. Um, but yeah, so... I think I'll, I'll have a, about a half dozen different products with the exception of the half pints. Everything will be able to be ate um, by hand, you know, and, and be really, you know, kind of conducive to the whole um, food truck uh, rodeo kind of uh, thing. So, yeah. And there, and yeah. everyone, everyone is being encouraged to bring their own like little picnic packs, silverware, stuff like that, straws, anything they think. They oh like yeah. Their own size, bring your own. And that way, whatever you get, you can, you won't have any trouble having the right thing. We have these really cute little zip up pockets with our salt, pepper, silverware, straw, all of that. Yeah. And we can throw those in our bag. Well, and especially if we're going from, you know, food truck to food truck and sampling thing after thing, it would be really great to just not be having to have each vendor providing you with a separate set of silverware. Exactly. Or, you know, cutlery, cutlery. Especially I do all since, compostable, but you know, yes. it's it's better to use less. Right, and the compostable is expensive for the vendor. Uh, I've bought compostable for events, and it's not cheap. It's not like buying crappy nope. plastic silverware. So yeah, yeah, no. Nope. Uh, I just my whole thing with that is, I just don't even look at the plastic spoon prices. I don't even want to know. You know what I love? Know. You know what I love is when uh, <laughs> I was younger, when you got ice cream, it always came with a little wooden spoon. Yeah. You know, the little flat, yeah. the little flat yep. wooden spoon. Yep. Those are hard to get now. It's- yeah. Yeah. That's, I, I use those or I use um, the compostable ones that are beige. Right. That are, I bought those um, too. Plant cellulose or something. Yep. So, yep. So, um, and, Everything that I do is always vegan. That might be something worth, you know, emphasizing because even I have people all the time at my booth and stuff. They ask me, you know, is the cookie vegan or is it, you know, everything is always vegan. I alchemy creamery will never, ever, ever make anything that's not vegan. Never (laughs) try being a gluten free vegan. Yeah. Well, you know, and that's the nice and, thing about my monkey. Fruit. I really try to accommodate people, but um, I also am a, a foodie and I'm very picky. And it's like, 
right now I'm working on vegan macaroons, but until those are perfect, until they are just like a regular macaroon, I'm not ever going to sell them or share them or anything. And so with gluten-free, some of, some of my cookies and stuff, I've managed to make them gluten-free. So I can't, where you can't tell the difference. And if that happens, then I'll use it. But right. it's not well, up to you always, standards and I can't. You always have at least one ice cream flavor I can get that's gluten-free. Yeah. Yeah. And the mochi mm-hmm. are, um, the ice cream mochi, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think, but I, I think they are, are all, they're always going to be gluten-free. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because so, I ran into good. some somewhere else, and they said someone else was selling ice cream mochi, and they said no, it's not gluten free, and I was so sad. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, um, mochi itself should not have any gluten in it. That is the whole point of it. Is it's glutinous rice. Right. So there there shouldn't be any. But then if they add it to the ice cream and stuff, right. you know, who knows? Right. I had one woman at. Um, a vendor day or at a, a market day and she she was so excited about the vegan ice cream and then she asked me you know what the, if I knew the ingredients I said oh yeah of course you know I'm, I make it and and um, she asked if it had xanthan gum in it mm-hmm. and it does have xanthan gum in it and so she said oh I can't I can't have xanthan gum and so I you know, she she couldn't get any of the ice cream. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can't always accommodate everyone. Mm-mm. But when my accommodating that one person does not adversely affect my product or my right. customer's experience, then there's no reason to keep it. And I put a half a teaspoon of xanthan gum into a two-quart batch of right. ice cream it's it such a, a tiny amount yeah. and now that i've really perfected my other aspects of the recipe that gives it its creaminess you cannot tell the difference between xanthan gum ice cream and no xanthan gum ice cream mm-hmm. except for the person who has allergies mm-hmm. and i pay i that I bought a very large bag of xanthan gum because I thought, hey, I can buy this and I'll have enough xanthan gum for a year or more. Right. You know, so now I have this $100 bag of xanthan gum Mm. that I'm not going to use anymore because now I can tell everyone that I don't use xanthan gum. Right. And now that's one more group of people that are under the umbrella of being able to eat, you know, alchemy ice cream. Right. All righty. Well, thank you so much for your time today. So I'm here today with Miranda, Bright and Sunny Ginger Beer. Hopefully you've seen her amazing Instagram and picked up a few products when you were at various events. Well, she's going to be at BedgeFest, so we're here to talk about Bright and Sunny Ginger Beer and a little bit about her and then what she's going to be doing at the BedgeFest. Yay. Thank you for having me on. Mm-hmm. Really appreciate it. Yeah, my name's Miranda. I operate Bright and Sunny Wild Ginger Beer. Um, we call it wild because it's a wild fermentation. We don't make it with wild ginger or anything like that. It's a wild fermentation because it doesn't require any yeast or CO2 or starter mm-hmm. to be bubbly. It's full of probiotics. Uh, we make it in super small batches right here in Bellingham, Washington. Um, and we only sell it right now in Bellingham because we don't pasteurize. 
and it's got to be kept refrigerated. Otherwise, those little probiotics get pretty excited and we can have a, um, you know, bottle that's a little too happy. Yeah, exactly. So keep it refrigerated. But yeah. So yeah, make it right here in Bellingham. We've been operating um, since 2018. We started in September at the farmer's market. And one of the best events I ever did was the Veg Fest in 2019. Just everyone's enthusiasm and kindness was amazing. And working with Selena and the Veg Fest team was incredible. They've been so supportive of our business and we really appreciate them. So we're super excited about this year's events coming right up. It's like in three weeks, I think, from mm-hmm. today. Yeah. So let's see, what can I tell you? about us. We are at the farmer's market in Bellingham. We're there pretty much every Saturday. I do try to do as many extra events as I can, but I'm a one person operation. I get some support from my partner, Jay, but he's got a full-time day job. So he is, his availability is limited. Um, But we do love getting out there in the community. That's um, one of my favorite things to be able to do. And um, at VegFest, we're going to be featuring our ginger beer Of course, it's going to be on tap. We've got our original ginger beer that's going to be on tap. And that means that we can do samples. So anyone that wants to stop by and try it out, um, we'll also be serving ginger beer by the cup of the original. And we'll have that ginger beer by the bottle. Also in bottle, we'll have our seasonal flavor, which I wanted to work with Selena possibly on getting ideas. Um, Last in 2019, we did a poll. We always do local organic seasonal flavors for our... um, Special batches, like right now I've got blackberry. Um, Last couple ones I did was raspberry, um, blueberry. I'm thinking maybe peach. So it really depends on just looking around at the farmer's market, um, seeing what the farmers have available, and then choosing from there. But we'll have a seasonal flavor. That'll be available in bottles. And then I've also been doing, depending on the weather, I have a hot weather beverage where I take our ginger beer and add a mint, fresh organic mint simple syrup, and make a nojito. Mm-hmm. which is like a mojito, the cocktail, uh, that Cuban uh, delicious cocktail, but with no alcohol. And um, and then in the winter, I do a special drink that's served hot, and that's called our not toddy. So it's like a hot toddy, but again, no alcohol. That one is kind of like a spiced ginger cider. Um, and that reminds me to talk about the alcohol in our beverage. There is a trace amount because it's fermented. It's a live ferment. It has We always try to keep it under 1% alcohol because if I keep it under 1%, I don't have to get a liquor license from the state, (laughs) which cuts out a lot of paperwork for me. And it's tricky, though, to keep it under 1% because it is a live ferment. And so that's why our sugar is pretty low. Our ginger beer is relatively dry, not very sweet. Um, A lot of people will say, oh, you know, I like this because it's not so super sweet like a lot of those other ginger beers. And I always figure, you know, if you want it sweeter, you can add a little fruit juice or a little easy, simple syrup to it. I like to make it go further by adding bubbly water, a little juice. One of my favorites is adding pineapple juice to our ginger beer. It's really yummy that way. So yeah, that is probably what we'll have available. I've also got a couple of extra products that I do because I'm trying to be a zero waste business. So I take the ginger that's left over after I've fermented it and it's still super strong ginger and full of probiotics. I've been dehydrating at low temperature to keep the probiotics viable alive and i make it into these um a tea so you can just have a hot ginger tea is always yummy but i also have the tea bags you could uh, keep the probiotics going if you make it into like a sun tea so add the ginger tea bag to some water in a jar put it in the sun add a little sugar um or honey 
And that's going to give the probiotics the calories they need to keep going. And then I also make some, and everything I have is vegan. I always use organic cane sugar. I have um, another item that I add that ginger ferment to, and they're these little tiny candies. I call them sweets. And it's our ginger ferment plus organic powdered sugar. And I use carrageenan uh, rather than gelatin to keep them probiotic. And they're just these little tiny sweets. And I, um, because I do it all cold process, I believe those are probiotic as well, though I have not had them lab tested. I have not gotten to that point yet in my small business. But those are all the things that we'll have available at VegFest. Sounds incredibly tasty. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, what are some places? So they come out to VegFest and they and they buy a bottle and then they go home and they go, I want some more of this. Thank so you. where you I know I've seen you at the co-op, but is that the only Yeah. Yeah, we're fortunate we've gotten into a few more places lately. The co-op's a big one. We're at both locations. Um, like I mentioned, we're at the Bellingham Farmers Market. And then right now we're also at Elizabeth Station. We're on tap mm-hmm. there. Um we are at Bigos. Vigos has us in our fridge case. I love Vigos. Also, we're at Pure Bliss. They've got us on the menu at Nomad and at Quantum Leaf Nice as well. Love the folks at Quantum Leaf have some featured uh, mocktails with our ginger beer, which is amazing. And we're in a few other spots, um, East of Eden Farm, Stand, um, Holly's Meat Pies, Old World Deli, and I think there's a couple more that I've basing mm-hmm. on at the that's moment still, that's a lot of fun places you can go after business yeah yeah and still be able to get your ginger beer fix yes yes well that's terrific and, oh, and we also if anyone wants to order we've got a website we can deliver locally or schedule a pickup i'm at the little um gluten-free bakery avalino on cornwall in alabama and i can do um pickups there or just deliver if it's within bellingham uh there's no delivery charge that's wonderful. I like that a lot. Is there anything else you'd like to tell our listeners about your your process, about your ginger beer, about how long you've been doing this? You said it was 2018. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so you've been around long enough to get your feet wet. <laughs> it's getting there. And right now I'm really trying to figure out how to scale it. Right now we're so small. I'm making uh, 20 to 40 uh, gallons a week, which sounds sort of like a lot but in terms of the brewing industry that is like nothing so i'm so tiny and i'm really trying to figure out right now how i can scale things so i'm looking around for how to make that happen and hopefully i'll have more news on that sometime soon but in the meantime i just really appreciate everyone's support and it you know it it is a pretty high price product looking at the ginger beer and the reason for that is because it is a live probiotic it's as many organic ingredients and local as i can get and it's a very labor-intensive ferment. And so that's the re- But I'm proud of it because I like being able to provide my community with the live, robust, quality probiotic drink mm-hmm. that's not necessarily alcoholic. And I really appreciate the vegan community because they've been very supportive, too, of my of my product. And just this community in general, we have so much love for local. It's amazing. And I think that's important is that when – I think a lot of people now – didn't used to, but I think a lot more people have a better understanding of small batch, that term small yeah. batch, and what that means for the end cost, because your labor plus your product, you know, that's going to be expensive when you're trying to do it all live, local, you know, and yeah. healthy ingredients. Yeah, and by um, hand. When you don't compromise and you're doing it by hand, 
uh, that yes. has an incredible effect on your prices. Yeah. You get what you pay for. And I'm sorry, I know that's a trope, but it's a really truthful trope when it comes to things like ginger beer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's just keeping it. And I'm trying to support as many local businesses as I, you know, do business as well and try to keep our resources right here in our community as just possible. But yeah, it's a great, I've just had an amazing time right now. It's uh, still labor of love, but it's just amazing to be part of the food community in Bellingham and get to know farmers and, you know, all of, like I was saying, the support that we have for local. It's just, it's really cool. I don't want to do this anywhere else. I've been impressed by the community support for local products, even though you have to pay more because it's small batch. You're not buying from a corporate farm. Yeah. Um, people understand that now. And yeah, I think when you know the name of your farmer. Yeah. I think they understand it more here than they do most places. It seems you know, like it. They seem yep. to value that a lot more. I and wonder if it's because we're so close to our farmers, like the farmers are right here in our community. And we, you know, a lot of them are also smaller producers. I'm not sure. We just have such an amazing agriculture scene here anyway. Right. And just go to the farmer's market any week. And yeah, and look around all year long. amazing it really is. Totally. Yeah, well, we're very fortunate. I really appreciate your coming and talking to me today. Oh, thank and- you. Thank you for listening to this month's episode of the Bellingham Veg Fest show. If there are topics that you'd love to hear more about, please reach out. You can find us at BellinghamVegFest.org and be sure to follow Bellingham Veg Fest on Instagram and Facebook.